In this episode, I speak with Sophie Allen, owner of So Help Me Dog, a training and behavioral business for reactive and rehabilitating dogs. Sophie's passionate about educating pet parents to help them understand their dog's behavior. Sophie and her team are professional handlers and qualified dog trainers. They use positive reinforcement methods during training and they assess and provide you with multiple options to help make it easier for you to better understand your dog's needs. Every dog is unique, which makes every training session different. Sophie is a big advocate for mental health issues, having suffered from anxiety and depression herself. She wants others to see that they're not alone and that there is support out there available to them. Welcome to the Rare Conversations podcast. I'm Leonie Milano, and I chat with creative entrepreneurs and business owners around the world about what it takes to start, sustain, scale, and sell a business. We talk about real life scenarios to help you understand the path before you, to inspire your journey. I transitioned from working in film, TV, and global events to working with creative entrepreneurs through mindset coaching and mentoring. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs embrace the journey, understand themselves better, accelerate their growth, and get the most out of life, making sure they have a hell of a lot of fun along the way. Sophie, it is so lovely to have you today. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been very much looking forward to speaking with you about your business. It's very cool. (laughs) I love your very memorable name for your business, So Help Me Dog. Can you tell me what the background is behind that? So I remember I was in a... um, dog training seminar and I was just sitting there and I was like you know what I need to get a name for my business so I just started writing down like all these things like it was just like a hundred ah, good brainstorm and then Stop. yeah I was like I'm just gonna write everything down and then I just remember someone was saying like God is dog and then I was like so help me dog and then I showed it around to like 10 people who I knew they're like yep yeah, that's it that's it that's the one that's the one oh, that's like, it for sure all right and then that, <laughs> that night I went on and I was like, get this And name. it was available. Yeah, it was available. Yeah. So that's, amazing. that's how I got the name. I mean, it's brilliant. And, you know, it's good to have a memorable name for your business, obviously. Yes, exactly. A lot of people see me wearing the shirt and they're like, oh, I love your name. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I remember you need some help. <laughs> <laughs> and I would love to hear a bit more about how you got into the dog training. So I moved from Melbourne about six years ago um, to Sydney. My mm-hmm. partner got a job as an architect and I've always wanted to get into dog training, but I kind of wasn't sure how. And I was working with customs in Melbourne in the breeding dog facility. Ah. So, yeah, I got to do a lot of cool stuff there um, and I got to go to the airport and, like, desensitise the dogs to all the noises and the people and, you know, see if they were fit enough to be a customs dog. But in that industry, no one wants to leave because they love it so much. So there was kind of nowhere for me to grow anyway. I remember speaking to this lady and I said, oh, how long have you been here? She goes, 30 years. I was like, okay, cool. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) How do I get in? And she's like, no one wants to leave. And I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is incredible, really. Yeah. So then when I moved here, I just looked up dog training courses I found one and then I remember on the second day I called my mom and I was crying and I was like, this is it, mom. This is what I'm going to do. And she was like, 
are you sure like you know it's hard running your own business like your father's has his own plumbing business and it's been quite difficult and I was like no nah, this is what I don't want to do mum like, I'm gonna do it so then I stupidly dived into it um and I had one dog for three months and I was like oh my gosh I have no money like, so help me dog do? yeah literally <laughs> And I had a scooter, so I was like scooting to the house, scooting back. Um, and then I was like, I need another job. So I started working at a bar, um, at the Bondi Bowling Club. I started working there. And um, yeah, I was kind of doing dogs during the day and then working there at nighttime, which was really good. Um, and then I just slowly built it up, got my mentors around me, got other people in the industry and, yeah just just built it up from there but it's really hard at the start because i think mm -hmm. you know you just don't know what you're doing i was like i don't know how to run a business i don't know what to do like there's no there's no way you can go either that tells you like especially in this industry as it's unregulated there's nowhere where you can go and go hey help yeah, me that's insane yeah how do i get to here it's just finding other people that have done it and you're like okay can mm. i shadow you and I was that annoying person that was like, hello, like, I'm in your area. Can I please shadow you? Yeah, cool. So I'd go and just shadow different trainers. I'd sit in on puppy schools. I'd go for walks Amazing. with other dog walkers. And I would just try and immerse myself in the community as much as I could. Yeah, that's How incredible is that, though, that you, that you found these amazing mentors to help you because I think oh. that is really critical for anyone starting their business right at the beginning uh, not just at the beginning by the way I think all the way through a hundred percent because I think when you get into an industry you're like they're my competitors like you know they're not gonna want to talk to me and then you realize that you actually really lean on each other so for yeah. example if I have a dog that I go this dog's great it it's not, you know, it doesn't need to be with me because it needs to be in a group. I will call a walker and be like, hey, you know, this dog doesn't suit me. Do you guys want it? Yeah, exactly. cool, okay. And then we just like swap them around and it's for the welfare of the dog. It's not about being greedy. There's billions of dogs out there, you know. Mm -hmm. And there's enough room for everybody. 100%, 100%. And you need, you, you can't do things by yourself, which I've realised no. the hard way. Yeah. You need people around you. And it's yeah. more fun. It's way 100%. more fun. Yeah, definitely. Can, can you explain now what your different services are that you provide? And I know you've got the walk and trains, reactivity training, consultations via Zoom, which I think is really cool. Yeah. The, the so dogs, are the dogs like sitting, <laughs> sitting there with the owners? <laughs> yes. So I think Zoom. to... <laughs> I think too sometimes you know it's more of my job is about training <laughs> the owners um it is a little bit about training the dogs too but most of it is explaining you know why the dogs feel like that you know how to help them stop feeling like that and things that the owners can do to help their dogs um so that's why zoom consultations do work and people go how can you train via zoom but it's more about teaching the owners really and changing their habits um, and you're asking them what they're doing and finding yeah, out that way exactly. yeah and it's actually kind of cool because 
you see the dog in their natural environment. When I go there, sometimes they can get really excited when a new person comes in or they're not doing the same behaviors that they would usually do. Um, so you can definitely Good see point. it when they're there. Um, and also I get them to send me videos as well. So then we analyze the videos together on Zoom too. Um, and a lot of the methods that I use are very um, humane and non-invasive as well. So not any force or any adversives or anything like that. So um, that's why I can do it via Zoom as well. I also do walk and train services, which is mainly um, stems off my reactivity training. So I work a lot with dogs that are reactive, which means they don't like other dogs, they don't like people, they might not like noises. So it can be dependent on what it is. And I try and rehabilitate them back to the community. And if they need a little bit of an extra hand, that's when they'll go into my walk and train programs where I go in, I take them out for an hour. We do everything that, you know, try and reach the goals that the owner wants. Um, and then I take some videos and then send them to the owner at the end of the session. Yeah. So Right. So it, it, there is that side of it as well, right? What the owner wants out of that relationship with the dog. Yeah, and sometimes it's quite difficult because I have to kind of <laughs> break the news sometimes that some dogs don't like going to cafes, some dogs don't like going to pubs, some dogs aren't. Oh. <laughs> right. It, it's tough, but you can get there. You can definitely get there. But I say, I always say it's just for the moment. So just for the moment, just for the time being, your mm. dog needs a break from that. We need to slowly introduce them, make their world small again, and then build them up slowly. Mm. Yeah. And I saw you have something called recall. Can you explain what recall is? So recall is just a fancy word for getting your dog to come back to you when you ask. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. So recall can be quite complicated because different environments can create different behaviors as well. So they might be really good at home with their recall, but then you take him to the park with lots of dogs and lots of things going on and you'll find that. He's like, forget it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's about, you know, building that up slowly too and working on, you know, what motivates them to come back to you. Um, and that just takes time and, and building that up slowly. Yeah. Right. So they get used to it. Yeah. And yeah. why is dog training important as opposed to somebody might just get an animal and be like, oh, why on earth would I ever need to worry about it? So it's really important because it also provides mental stimulation too. So you're getting the dog to think, you know, if you get them to do different tricks, also builds confidence as well. And it strengthens your bond too. You start to really be able to understand you know what the dog wants and then and then provide that for them as well um and dogs are always learning too so it's never too late to start training so if you're thinking of training your dog start now <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah that's um the whole thing about bonding with the dog and understanding what they want i think is really important can you yeah. explain a little bit about separation anxiety i am guilty here um with well it was a cat actually but she used to get separation anxiety when I would leave and I'd be so excited to see her and I just don't think I had it around the right way how can this kind of behavior be avoided for these poor little creatures it's so hard at the moment because well previously a lot of people were like I'm gonna get a puppy in COVID 
And now that dog's got separation anxiety because they've been home all the time. And mm. anxiety is when things aren't predictable. So now people are leaving and they're like, ah, I don't know how to be alone. I'm not sure what to do. So I think like separation anxiety can stem from a lot of things. It could be like exactly COVID, a traumatic experience, or they can be genetically predisposed to having separation anxiety as well. I work with a lot of dash hounds mm -hmm. and a lot of them, it's definitely in their genes, have separation anxiety. Um, so that's a hard one too. It's actually just trying to figure out where it's kind of stemmed from as well. Mm. And it's not just get a dog. It's like, well, what kind of lifestyle do you want? The dog needs to kind of match up with that. Exactly, yeah. And I think we get a dog and then we try and bring them into our lifestyle and they are not sure how to cope with that. So we need to teach them how to be able to cope with that. And I think with separation anxiety, the one thing I always say to people when they get a dog is leave in short bursts and come back, like really build that up for the dog. So maybe you're leaving for five minutes and then you're coming back. Then you're leaving for 10 minutes and you're coming back and then build it up and make sure the dog's okay with you not being there or not being in your sight. Because it, I recently started a dog with separation anxiety and it's really difficult. It's really hard because you have to plan mm. your whole day and you have to make sure you're not gone over a certain amount of time because then they can start getting really stressed. Um, so, yeah, if you do get a new dog or even an older dog, you can still teach them. Start separation anxiety training from the get-go. And when you're leaving, not to make a big deal about the leaving, right? Just yes. calmly leaving. Yeah, so leaving just, I say neutral, just being really yep. neutral. So leaving neutral, coming back neutral. Coming back neutral. Yeah, so definitely sometimes too, it really depends. Sometimes I say if they've got really bad separation anxiety, if you don't acknowledge the dog, then that can make them worse. So sometimes I say coming oh. really neutral and just be like, hey, buddy, all good, do your thing, put your bag down, whatever, and then play with the dog. But if you completely ignore them, sometimes they can get even more stressed out from that. So it's just case mm. dependent. Right. And do, yeah, yeah, just being aware of it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, from my own past experiences, I've learned the hard way about what it takes to own animals. And I'll give you an example. I got the cutest little Kelpie one day and I was working nine to five and I'd go off to work and I'd come back and she'd pretty much destroyed the house <laughs> and the backyard. Oh, no. um, so we'd have her in the backyard and she would see kids playing in a park and she was a very active dog. Kelpies are very active. So all she'd want to do is go and run and play with the kids. So I would feel really guilty coming home because I hadn't done anything with her all day. And then we'd come back home and she would have dug under the fence and running around and someone would have her and I would always have to get her. It was super, it was so much anxiety for me yeah. or not ever knowing what I was going to come home to. Yeah, and, and in the end, it, it just wasn't great to give her that kind of lifestyle. So she ended up going with a farmer where she could run around and chase sheep. And it was just a lot better. 
What would you say are the prerequisites for anyone owning any kind of animal? So I would say commitment, patience, time, money, and space. They're kind of the five things I always, when someone says to me, I want a dog, I want a puppy, I want whatever, I say those things. I'm like, do you have all of those things? Yes. Be able to answer yes to those. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And if you don't, then I think you should wait because sometimes, especially I found during COVID, a lot of people rushed into buying dogs. And I was like, like even one of my friends contacted me and he said, can we have a chat about getting a dog? So I was like, yeah, cool. So we had a chat and I said, what's going to be your, I know you travel a lot. What's going to happen next year? Are you going to start traveling again? He's like, yeah. And I said, have you thought about the dog? And he's like, no. I was like, you can't keep palming it off to friends all the time. You know, and then he actually hasn't got a dog yet because I made him think and go, actually, no, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that commitment because of my work. So I was Mm. like, just, just wait, just, just wait, please. So yeah, (laughs) that's, that's really good. And how often during a dog's life should they be professionally trained? What, I mean, do you suggest something in the beginning and then like every now and then or are there different periods of time? So the best time is when they're roughly from 8 to 16 weeks. They're in something called the critical socialization period. So anything that happens in that time period, good or bad, is imprinted on the dog and they can remember for the rest of their life. So that's why a lot of puppy schools coincide with those time periods because they're so important. And it's not just about taking the dog and socialising them with other dogs. It's about actually getting them to experience the world because we're so desensitised to the world. We go out on the traffic and, you know, we don't even blink an eyelid. A dog goes out and if they've been born on a farm where it's super quiet there's nothing there and they come out to the road they're like oh my gosh what is happening Mm -hmm. so it's about really getting them used to noises and cars and you know thunder and lightning fireworks people like oh they hate fireworks don't they (laughs) well they do if they've never heard it before and usually they only hear it around you know new years so that's why that time period is really important to start desensitizing them to the noises and getting them used to everything. Even I find a lot of dogs get scared of older people because of their body language, because they're kind of lean over, especially if they have a cane oh, or with a walking frame. The mm. dog's like, oh, get out of my space because they're kind of already lent over. Mm. Um, so getting them used to different people like that as well is, is so important and it's not just about puppies playing with each other it's socialization is so much more than that and is that important to kind of crouch down to their level so you're not towering over them generally or is that something they get used to as well it's a tough one to say um do you mean like if you first meet a dog for the first time or like your own Prob- well probably both Okay. So like for the first time, it can be quite intimidating kind of if you lean over and try to pat a dog and you'll find a lot of people too will like stick their hand out as well. Mm. Um, but imagine like a hand coming into your face. That's like, whoa. And we don't want the dog to be scared, but that's what people think that we should do. The best thing you can do is actually right. stand still with your hands by your side, let the dog come up to you, 
let them smell you and see if they want to interact with you. If they don't, then leave them. If they do, then great. You can pat them and whatever. But I think it's really important because we think that dogs just get along with everyone. And me working with reactive dogs, I've found that sometimes they don't like people. Um, and they may have had that bad experience in that time period, especially smaller dogs where I've known clients to say kids would run up to like, I always use Dutch hands because I always work with them and just pick them up. And so they've got a bad association with children from that young age because they've just come out of nowhere and just whipped this dog up off the floor. And this dog's like, I don't even know what this child's doing. Mm. And they're screaming and they're running around. So then they start having that bad association with children. So I'm going on a ramble here, but <laughs> at that time period, that eight to 16 weeks is really important. And mm. then just doing continual training as well. It doesn't have to be hard either. It could be like, you know, doing recall on a, on a long leash, getting your dog to come back, playing games with your dog, teaching them new commands. It doesn't have to be, you know, super hard, super strict training. Yes, I was going to say you can't, I mean, you answered a little bit before, but you, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Is that true? You can teach. You can, yes. So this is how I explain it. When you think of a child learning a new language, they like soak it up and they're so easily taught it they're really good at it but if i went to uh, if i went to learn a new language now i could do it but it'd just be a little bit harder take me a little bit longer exactly the same with dogs so you can teach an old dog new tricks it just takes a little bit longer than say a puppy where they just soak everything up in that time period right you need to have the patience for them yeah <laughs> Uh, and another thing, I've, I've heard about collars. Um, are dog training collars effective? And I guess, can you explain about them? Like, are they friendly to use? Are you talking about like e-collars, like electric collars? Like yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm not a huge fan. Um, they don't actually treat the root cause. They're kind of like putting a Band-Aid on, the broken, on a broken arm. They're treating the symptom. Oh, and interesting. What happens too is it can suppress the behavior. So this means the dog shuts down and they can't actually express how they really feel and they're pretty much getting told off for having any emotions or any feelings at all. And the other thing too with a lot of people will say with e-collars is that they don't hurt the dog. But how do we know they don't hurt the dog? The dog can't tell us that, you know, and the dog can't actually take off the collar either. So they don't have that choice. And there can also be a really big fallout of the relationship and the trust between the human and the dog as well because they're kind of like, I'm not sure if I'm doing this right and they're a little bit nervous. Um, so there can be that break in relationship too. So what I try and do is treat the root cause of the behaviour and not just the symptom because sometimes treating the symptom, you suppress it so much and then it explodes something just comes out the dog bites something or, or attacks something because it's of been course. shut down yeah hey everyone i'm excited to jump in here and let you know about my upcoming program for 2022 people say knowledge is power but that's not entirely true if you do nothing with that knowledge it's worthless if you implement it you become unstoppable creating your own business takes work commitment, dedication to getting tasks done, working through the frustrations when you realize it's more than you thought, 
and you feel like you're always on the verge of quitting. The easy thing to do is give up, but that just perpetuates a cycle because when there is something you can't stop thinking about, something that you really want to create, you'll never be able to shake it. What we're not taught in school is how our brain actually works. It is so hardwired with our individual beliefs based on our own life experiences that it takes the utmost awareness to know what you need to do differently to achieve your goals. This is the single biggest thing that can be the deciding factor on how well you live your life. When you're starting a new business, there are stages you need to go through. Analysis, planning, testing, strategizing, taking action, in tandem with accountability and support, etc. This is what I help my clients with. In my 10-week program, I'll take you from being stuck and not knowing how to grow to getting clarity and confidence that will get you to the next level. We'll make sure your niche, target market, offer, and strategy is solid by implementing systems and a step-by-step -step action plan to strengthen your foundation that will allow you to grow faster than you could have imagined. You'll gain clarity and confidence with every step, not ever having to return to where you were ever again. I work with a limited number of clients at any time, and to really help you, it needs to be a mutually beneficial fit. This is for someone serious about their growth, for someone who's tired of just getting by to having a healthy business that actually makes money. If this sounds like something you're interested in, send me an email to hello at leonimilano.com. That's L-E-O-N-I-M-I-L-A-N-O.com with the word apply, and we can jump on a call to see if this works. If you can tell me one thing that you got out of this episode, I'll add an exclusive bonus. Now let's get back to the episode. It's a natural reaction, which, and I wanted to say, ask you, um, does an owner's mental health state impact a dog's mental state and behavioral, I guess, as well? Yeah, so it can. Um, you know, some people will say, like, I'm anxious and I kind of pass that on to the dog, which is not necessarily true, but it's in the way of your body language. So your dog reads your body language. So if really? you're acting anxious, yeah. So if you're acting anxious or you're like rushing around, then your dog's going to be like, oh, what's going on and start to get a little bit of anxiety there. And it can also be the way that we handle the leash too. So sometimes unknowingly, if we're anxious or there's a trigger coming up where you're like, this dog, my dog's going to react to this dog, you pull on the leash or you're like nervous, shaking, and then the dog's like, what's happening? Like, And they mm. can feel that on the leash. So, yeah, it, it, it can definitely. That's, that's really interesting. And also I know, you know, people, loads of people, obviously they get dogs, animals as companions for, for them. So, you know, there's, there's that side that is really beautiful, obviously, yeah, so, long as, so long as the animal um, is taken care of. Um, yeah, definitely. How about uh, dog training clickers? What is that? <laughs> how does that so, all work? I actually, I have a rabbit at the moment and he's clicker trained, so he can do tricks. Um, so a clicker is uh, what we call a marker. So, for example. I've got to hear what these tricks are, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so Poncho can 
spin. He can weave in and out my legs. He can go up. No way. Leg. And I've taught him to ring a bell as well. Yeah. Do you have videos <laughs> of this? I actually do. I do. Oh, I have um, to see these. He's honestly taught me so much about patience because with a rabbit, their, um, uh, their stomach, they get full so quickly. So you have like two, three minutes and he's like, see ya. And I can't put a leash or a harness on him. No way. He'd be like, I'm not doing anything for you. So that's mm. why I had to have that good relationship with him and get him to trust me, get him to want to do the training with me, find what motivates him to do the training with me. And that's how I was able to do it. And also a lot of patience because it's, it took a long time to do <laughs> those tricks. Um, so going back to clicker, sorry. That's um, amazing. So the clicker is, so for example, say the dog sits and you say yes, and then you give them a treat. The yes is just the click. So the dog sits, click, which means they did the right thing, then they get the reward. So uh -huh. I find with clicker training, like I, I really like it, but I find sometimes with owners, it can be quite difficult because you need to be on time with your click as well, because a dog's brain moves on in half a second. So you need to click reward straight away. If you've got the leash and you've got treats, you've got your phone, you've got kind of everything and got the clicker, then sometimes they're like, oh, oh click, and then it's too late. And right. sometimes you click for the wrong thing. So the dog could oh, be doing something gosh, imagine. <laughs> So I just find it's just simple to say yes or just saying good and then rewarding straight away. I just feel like sometimes it's, it's too much, yeah, for the owner. Mm. Yeah. Um, I used to have a rabbit and my <laughs> rabbit didn't know how to do anything. <laughs> I mean, it's just something that I didn't even know you could teach. At, it's crazy, right? Trip. When it I is. tell people that, they're like, that's so cool. Like, how'd you do that? And I was like, a lot of patience. And a lot of motivation and a lot of time. Um, it must be yeah, fun, though. Cool. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He, he's a pretty cool guy. <laughs> he is because I got to see him. <laughs> <laughs> Except the only thing is a white rabbit, like, he's just all over me. I wear a lot of black and he's just all over me. The white, the fur when he molts, oh, my gosh, it's terrible. <laughs> That's the only thing. That is so funny. Yeah, I've um, my I had a black cat before, and wow, she used to really molt everywhere. I was always vacuuming and <laughs> using the rolly sticky thing. I lint roll him all the yeah. time, so we. Go I don't know why I don't have shares in that company because I know same. <laughs> I I went through so much with just hair everywhere. Um, well, that's why I'm wearing these scrubs. I've got scrubs on at the moment and you can't really see it. Um, they're designed by vets and for that reason, because they get so much fur on them, you just go like this, you just wipe it and it comes straight off. it's gone. Yeah, that's why I'm constantly living these. And then also dog drool as well. Like you get drool and stuff on Ew. you. Just waterproof. <laughs> it just comes right off. It's waterproof. So Wow. Yeah, so so next I'm you'll be able to design some fashion for dog owners. <laughs> well, they've already, yeah, they've designed it for us. So next it'll be dog owners. That's right. Yeah, exactly. You'll start a, a whole trend. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> one thing I wanted to talk about that I think is really important, and we did chat a little bit about it before, is dog food. And 
dogs' diets and their gut health and what is out there in the marketplace. And you said it's not regulated. Can you talk about this? Once you deep dive into this, and I'm sure a lot of people will be listening to this at home, go and look at your dog's food and actually read the back of the packet and see if Mm. you know exactly what's in it because the industry is unregulated. I can't believe that for a minute, by the way. Isn't it insane? They're meant to be our best friends, yet the industry is not regulated. Even the dog training industry is not regulated. It's, It's crazy. And they're allowed to put things in there that the dogs don't necessarily need. And they're also allowed to call things. So, for example, they will say meat in meat byproducts. It won't actually be technically meat. It'll be like the skin and the nails and the fur. Ew. And the bone. It sounds like human food, the way they I label know. human food. <laughs> same. It's the same. So, and then Ew. the other thing they do as well is they'll say, oh, it's a chicken, whatever. But it'll be like, and or chicken, and or pork, and or beef, and or, and you're like, what? What is that? What is exactly in it? Yeah. So they've now found that dogs have something, humans have the same thing, but have something called the gut brain axis. So anything they eat affects how they feel, affects their mental health, affects what happens on the outside of their skin as well. So really looking into their diet can help behavior too, because food affects behavior same right. with us Even, yeah for sure yeah so it's really important to really look at your dog's food and question it and ask um i can send you a link to a really good group as well um just to jump on there and they talk about all dog food and brands and everything like that um and just yeah that's, to i'll add food. that in into the notes yeah. actually that will be really that helpful will- because um, sometimes you can go in there and see what other people have said about their food as well. Um, because yeah, there's no regulations. So when something goes wrong, that company has to self-recall their own product, and dogs have been dying from it, which is That's terrible. So sad. Yeah, yeah. So they can. What can we do at home for the dogs so they can have um, veggies? Yeah. So there's. I can even put send you a link to like exactly what they can have as well so like fruit and veggies you know like sardines eggs fresh meat and the other thing too is um pet food meat and human grade meat very different do not the pet food meat oh my gosh sometimes the things in that is not necessarily what it says so definitely look into the ingredients in that as well um, and if you are still worried about your dog's food, seek a dog nutritionist too, um, and they can definitely help your dog or go in these groups and just try and educate yourself about the brand and about exactly what you're feeding your dog. Because when I do my consultations, I'm looking at the whole dog. I'm looking at the whole right. picture. And diet is one of the most important things because, as I said, it affects behaviour. So if they're not eating great food, you know, it could have a lot of salt or a lot of sugar in it and then they could spike in their behaviour and then crash. Right. So, mm. yeah, diet is super important, super important. Is this worldwide, the un- unregulation? Um, in Australia, yes. Um, worldwide, I'm, I'm not too sure, mm-hmm. um, but definitely in Australia it's unregulated. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. That's mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. 
What kind of tips could you provide for anyone at home who are having challenges with their dogs, say, running amok? And I mean, it sounds like a bit of what we've already talked about. Yeah. So I think the best thing you can do is like enrichment or mental stimulation for your dog because we always think of the physical side, but we don't think of the other side, the mental stimulation enrichment side. So that could be, you know, doing there's like dog puzzles out there, like Kongs, there's like, you know, Okay, dog wait, to- dog puzzles? Yeah. They're so good. There's this okay, lady you're going to tell Nina. me about this. There's this lady called Nina Otterson. She's like the dog puzzle queen, and she actually has different levels of dog puzzles. So, for example, it'll be like a wooden board and you put treats in and then you put little like plastic caps on top of it and the dog has to like knock it off with their nose or their paw and, yeah. Oh, it, my it's just God, that's so cute. Thing. So you'll find that when you give that enrichment, you give that – mental stimulation you'll find your dog gets so tired because they're having to think they're having to problem solve or even a a real simple one that i love is called scatter feeding where you just grab a heap of food throw it in the yard or wherever you can and just get the dog to use their nose and sniff out every piece yeah you'll find they'll be absolutely pooped um there's also a facebook group which i can send you the link um and it's called canine enrichment and they have really great ideas of everyday household items that you can use for enrichment so it might be like an empty toilet paper roll putting treats in there closing it over letting shred that empty egg cartons cardboard boxes you know hiding treats around the house and getting them to find them they've just got really great ideas on there um so definitely jump on there and have a look some people have been really creative on there so it's a really good group i love it that sounds like it would be very interesting so this is an alternative to having them shred your house yes exactly <laughs> we're giving them we're providing them things to shred rather so shredding than- the house is like help me i need some mental stimulation yep 100 percent. and a lot of people think the opposite they think i haven't run my dog enough but sometimes when you run them too much, they start to become an athlete and then they get fitter and fitter and fitter. And then we forget about the mental side of them. So I always explain, think about, you know, whenever you went into a maths test and you come out of the maths test and you're like, I'm so tired and mentally drained mm. and you haven't done anything physical, but you want to go to sleep. That's what we need to do with our dogs. We need to like get them to think more. And the more you get them to think, the more tired they will become. So it's it's called, you can look it up, but it's called meeting their needs. We're just trying to find mm. what their needs are and trying to meet every aspect of that. Yeah, and you don't want them to be fat either. So you've no. got to balance it. It's not like, all right, <laughs> yeah. you're just going to have mental stimulation now because I can't be bothered to go out and walk you. That's also still very, very yes. important for them to get their exercise. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think as well, I say to people, use their breakfast in those puzzles or use their breakfast to do the scavenging, you know, around the Mm. house. And if you find too that you are using a lot of treats, just take a little bit away from breakfast, take a little bit away from dinner. And that way you can definitely regulate their weight as well. But then also taking them out and, and going for a walk and letting them run around is important too. So it's about, yeah, as I said, like meeting all their needs the best that you can. 
Mm. And so just would you say, how would you analyze, say, like if a dog howls a lot? Does it mean yeah. that they're lonely or would it mean that, oh, someone's not home? And maybe what you said before, through COVID, there were people around and all of a sudden maybe a dog just has a different circumstance. Yeah, it's it's a really hard one because it can really depend, you know, like what it's howling at, why is it howling, when's it howling, is it like a form of communication or is it alert behaviour, are they attention-seeking, are they stressed, oh, okay. are, they just, are they scared? So you kind of, I think it's hard when like... There's you need to analyze like, each of them, don't exactly. you? Really? Because every dog's an individual. I mm. think sometimes we think dogs are all the same, which they are a little bit, but the individual is different. So, like, I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dash hounds, but they're all different in their own way and their personality. So, that's when I do the training protocol, it's different for every single dog because not the same thing is going to work for the same dog. We might need to try something a little bit different. So actually going there and seeing, okay, what is it howling at? Okay, why is it doing this? Has it done this for a long time? Just you need to really, I feel like an investigator sometimes because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to get every little detail as possible because I want to make sure that I've got it all, then I can give them the right information on how to, you know, stop that behavior or maybe we need to give them more mental stimulation or maybe it is separation anxiety. So, yeah, it's a hard one just to go, this is the answer. You need to actually investigate first. I love all the mental stimulation and the puzzles and everything. So you could literally keep the dog entertained for yeah. hours. Yeah, even choose. I always say to people, choose uh, mm. your best friend. So you can get so many different types of chews now. Um, you can get like pig's ears, obviously. You can get different types of ears. Um, you can get goat horns. You can get antlers. You can even get crocodile feet. Um, Ew. You, can get, you can get bully <laughs> sticks, which do you want to know what a bully stick is? I don't know. No, but other people might want to know. Oh. Bully stick. When I tell clients this, they're like, what? It's a cow's penis. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, God, no. Okay, no. <laughs> the reason Ow, it's so no. good is because it's got no fat on it and they last for a long time. So it helps. <laughs> in your imagine, imagine seeing people's faces when you tell them this. I would not it, be buying this for the dog, by the it way. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look right. like it. So don't right, worry. Right. Um, <laughs> But the reason it's so good is because there's not a lot of fat on it. Um, and it also chewing helps the dog calm down and decompress. So if your dog's really wound up about something, so for example, mm. if I come into a house, the environment changes, the dog's like, oh, I don't know who you are, I don't know what to do. I always say, go get them a chew. And you can see them go take the chew, sit down, watch me, kind of chew, decompress, and calm right down again. So Chewing's really, really important, especially when they're going through those teething stages. That's mm. when you, the house is probably <laughs> starting Destroyed. to get shredded. <laughs> so giving them those chews is really, really important. Well, yes, well, maybe, maybe, maybe some of them. You don't have to give those. <laughs> right, right, I know. But, hey, it's, it's not about us. It's about the animals. Exactly. So, and so. you know what I love is it's using the whole animal 
That's what I really love about dog chews. I know sometimes people can get grossed out about it, but it's using the whole animal. And I think that's really important, like for the environment and sustainability. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I'm going to, my brain now, Um, what are some, (laughs) what are some success stories that you can share around your dog training experiences that you've had so far? So um, particularly, so actually thinking about this now too, there's there's probably two. My first one is um, actually having two people work for me and then them going and growing their own business. Mm. It really sucked when they left, but it was actually so beautiful. And now I see those two and I see them posting things and I see them, you know, everything that I've taught them. And it just, you know, makes me so proud because I'm like, that's great. There's more, you know, dog trainers out there doing those things and doing doing the right thing. Yeah. And it's really important. Um, So that's probably one that I just, I just thought of then, but in the dog training experience, I have a lot of stories on my Instagram. So each one I post like, Hey, this is, for example, Bernie. And then I do like, Bernie's been with us for six months and this is what his story was. And this is what happened. This is where he is now. So dog training training does take time. Um, You know, it's not just like a quick fix. And if anyone's promising you a quick fix, they're lying. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes repetition. Um, Especially if they're reactive dogs, right? A hundred percent. And with Bernie, he was very, very reactive. Um, and he was a rescue as well. So we didn't know about his past and now he's in the park with other dogs. He's meeting new friends. Like he's just one of my favorite, yeah, success stories. So he's on my page too, but there's a lot of others on there because I think it's important to show that journey, um, of that training and of that consistency from me, but from the owners as well, them actually doing the hard work, putting in the hours, you know, to get the dog to get the dog that they want, but also to make the dog feel happy and safe. I think that's right. Really that's important. the point of having yeah, a dog. Yeah, 100%. We don't but I do know there's a lot of people that struggle with this, and it's important. You mentioned something before where, when we were chatting about mindfulness. This, mm-hmm. I think, is incredibly important. Can you uh, go through that again? Yeah, so I try and get all my clients to do something called the mindful minute. And it's just going to a really quiet area. It could be a park or or a side street, just getting the dog to sit down and actually take in the world because dogs find it really easy to keep moving around and they Mm. struggle to stop. So we need to teach them how to stop and how to settle. And once you keep doing it over and over again, you start to see the dog actually like smelling and looking around and just really Mm. in a calmer frame of mind. And the more you extend it to, the more you can start going to different places, you know, like going to meet people and have a picnic or going to a cafe or going to the pub and the dog goes, oh, yeah, I know this drill. Cool. I just sit down and we, when you stop, I stop. It's just a really important one. And you know what, too? It's important for the owners to stop as well because having a reactive dog can be quite difficult. So yeah, getting yourself Stop. Yeah, actually stop and have your a mindful minute yourself is really important mm. too. Yeah. And you have a podcast yes. as well. Can you tell me about that? 
So my podcast is called The Healthy Dog Pod and it's with another uh, trainer in the area and we just wanted to get out information to the public that, you know, we just wanted to supply that knowledge and that information education that we have because the industry is unregulated. And so we thought let's start The Healthy Dog Pod which looked at the whole dog. So we've got you know, people coming in who are like um, dog nutritionists who make dog food, you know, some who train dogs, some who have pet stores, like just, just everyone. specialised different areas. Yeah, and it's nice to see um, and just hear their stories and hear about their businesses as well. Amazing. Yeah. There's so much good information in this. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to go through all of this information with me today. How no can, and I'm going to attach all those great links that you talked <laughs> I about. I said like 10 links. But it really, I think people will find a lot of good information there. How can yeah. people find you online? So you can go to www.sohelpmedog.net um, so or, head over to, or head over to my Instagram um, at sohelpmedog and, yeah, and reach me over there. And I have Facebook as well, um, but I'm mostly, yeah, on Instagram all the time and also you have a if people head over to your website you have a toilet training guide for dogs yes which is very so helpful. I have my top seven toilet training tips it's a free ebook and I will also soon be having an online reactivity course that I am um, currently building nearly done so keep an eye out for that if you have a reactive dog um, it's going to be you know, targeted towards dog or pet parents who have a reactive dog. So definitely Fantastic. have a look at Yeah. Awesome. Thank you again, Sophie. It's been so no great chatting with you. It's been awesome. Thanks for having me. And I'll, I look forward to speaking to you in the future. Yeah, same. See you later. Take care. Bye. You've just finished listening to an episode of Rare Conversations. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love for you to leave a review and share it with a friend who you think would be interested in this topic. And if you have a business question, please send it in to us. We may very well answer it in our next episode. So be sure to tag me on social media at Leone Milano. The show notes and other information can be found on our website at www.leonimilano.com. Thank you again for listening and we look forward to having you back with us again soon.